0: Hi, I'm your host, Rowan Tonkin, and welcome to Being Planful, the show for FP&A leaders and planning experts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being Planful. My name's Rowan Tonkin, your host. Today, I'm joined by Eric Nakamura, Eric is a CFO at Orange Comet, and uh, Eric's got a really interesting kind of perspective on the role of the CFO that he's going to share with us today. And I think it's a different one that we've talked a lot about on, on this podcast. So, Eric, why don't you unveil your perspective on, on the world of the CFO and, and how actually something different uh, can come from the CFO, which is the world of the CFO drive culture? Thanks, Rowan. Uh, appreciate that. Um,
1: you know, I think, like to start off with, I think, an area of culture in that, what is it? How do companies define it? You know, what does it mean? It's a, it's a word that's thrown around a lot by companies, but it's not clearly defined. And I think that's the first thing is, as a CFO, like, what does it mean to me personally? And then what does it mean to my company? And how do I attract, retain, enhance, train the best talent by having a good culture at the end of the day. I think that's important. And I like, you know, from the office of the CFO and to all my finance heads out there, having a great culture can reduce costs, can reduce turnover, can reduce, you know, opportunity costs and a lot of things. And so people that are just purely number-based, which I deal with a lot of finance, (laughs) it's important to understand that that's a piece, but also, It's building the right DNA of a company and who you want to be when you grow up. And it says a lot about the company, the leadership, um, and and the people at the end of the day. And so I think the first thing is identifying what culture means. And for me, I kind of, I look at it in three ways, right? I kind of look, I have three pillars that I look at companies um, that resonates with me quite a bit. And and the first is I want to work with people I trust, like, and respect. And that's a non-negotiable for me. Uh, I think trust, like, and respect, it sounds like a no-brainer. But I've worked in environments, and Rowan, I'm sure you worked in environments where you worked with a-holes right, that you don't really enjoy working with. And uh, I try to implement the no-a-holes policy wherever I go. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, I have to recognize if I'm an a-hole that I can't be one. <laughs> and number two, <laughs> uh, the people I work with, I want to get to know them and know who they are and what they're about. And I think uh, as an executive, it's important for me to meet the executive team in formal and informal environments to see how they interact with each other. Are, mm-hmm. as are, the executive team, yes men and women to, or yes people to the CEO, right? Or do they just kind of kiss ass and go along with whatever he or she says? Okay, that, maybe that's not an environment you wanna be in. Are do they actually challenge each other? Do they have um, the right trust and respect to have conversations where they say, "Hey, I don't agree," and these are the reasons why, and let's have a a, a healthy, trusted discussion about it. If you're in mm-hmm. an environment where you don't have that trust and respect, and you maybe work with a holes that have a subversive, you know, um, tactic or strategy underneath, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have that challenge. Or I can't say to Rowan, Rowan, I disagree with you. And, and, and Rowan may, may, may be like, well, I don't like Eric and so I'm going to come at him in a certain way or something, right? So yeah. I think it's super, super important to have that and see their interaction. Do they have that? Do they have innovation? Do they have collaboration? Are they able to speak freely and, and build the right culture in that aspect? And, I, oh, it's just not a democracy. I don't understand that. It can sometimes, and it has to be a dictatorship due to time, money, budgetary constraints, whatever it may be. But I truly believe that innovation collaboration comes through challenging each other and not always going with the norm disruption Mm -hmm. but you want to be able to say my experience is different than rowan's and different than Joanna's, and different than jennifer's and we have to be able to challenge each other to say can we do things differently and be better right and so that trust like and respect has to be there and the trust and respect is very important and like i mean you want to work with people you like at the end of the day right You, you want to It's much easier for me to have a conversation with Rowan, with somebody I like, somebody I don't at the end of the day, because in general, you don't like that person because there's no trust and respect, right? Yeah. And so I think it's super important to have that as the first pillar of establishing a culture within a company. And as as a person, as as a CFO, if I go to another company executive, I want to make sure that I have that with the other executives and other team members as well. Does that make sense?
0: It makes a hundred percent sense. I mean, like you think of the five dysfunctions of a team, right? And, and one of those major issues is, (laughs) there we go. He's pulling it up everyone. For those that can't see, can't see at home or they're listening. Uh, Eric's reached back behind him on his desk and, uh, he's got, got the book there, but without trust, you can't have healthy conflict and without healthy conflict, you can't talk about, you know, the hard problems that are occurring inside the organization. Um, and to try and move a business forward, you have to have conflict. We're not all going to turn up every day, a our best selves, but b um, with the same ideas, the same opinions, the same philosophies of how we how we do things. And and so, you know, driving that culture is hugely important. So I, I fundamentally agree with that that first pillar. Right.
1: I, I love it, and I think. And you you know this in your your career path. When people leave companies, they're not leaving a product or a service, or, or they're leaving the people they work with because their boss they're not appreciated or they don't like the people they work with or they don't. It, it's not. It's generally not. Oh, this product sucks. Uh, I'm going to leave the company. Well, it could be, I guess, but generally it's like this product could suck. But if the team is great, the culture is great, people will stay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's if the culture is bad and the product's fantastic or the service fantastic people generally will leave, right? It's just, it's just the way it yeah. is, right? So I think that gets into the next pillar is um, the business opportunity and the problem, the TAM or whatever you want to call it that the, the company is solving, right? I think mm-hmm. that is very important. Something that I look at, my second pillar is, you know, what is their TAM? What are they addressing? Is, is there a problem they're solving? And is there a potential for a good execution uh, into that plan? right? Um, I think we talked about this before, like um, the the travel to space uh, vertical or market. I think there's a large TAM there. Is the execution into that business in the next two to three years very high? No, there's only a top 1% of people can afford to fly to space. It's going to be 250000 to $500,000, right? So who's going to be able to? Yeah, yeah. But I think there's a huge opportunity there. I think there's a huge TAM down the road, but execution of that's very, very tough because Technology was lagging behind. I mean, you just saw, I think, SpaceX or I think a launch recently just got canceled because one of the, the, the rockets weren't cooling the way they want to cool. So I think it's, it, it's tough. But so do I look at, is it the right people? Is it the right uh, business opportunity? And can they, those two things synergistically, can they execute together, I think is important because that makes people feel good about what they're doing. They believe in the service or the product. they believe in the delivery, they believe in the execution. And also they have ultimate belief that the team leading and the team executing can execute and do it at a very efficient and high level. And I think that's when you create these synergies and it's almost like um, it's like wildfire it catches and it becomes infectious within an organization. Mm-hmm. like the, the culture, the people, the execution, the success, and, and you put yourself in a situation, generally, I try to anyways, where if you have those things, you can have excitement and energy and synergy, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun at the end of the day. And that's super important, what, where you want to be as a person, number one, I think, first and foremost. And number two, for a company to have success is having those two ingredients or those two pillars are very uh, large pillars or foundational elements. That can help a company to be successful at the end
0: of the day. Does that make sense? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, as the as the marketer in the room, right? And and a lot of people sit here and they they go, why do you guys spend so much time on words, like specifically <laughs> words and things like mission and vision statements, right? Like, it it's not because like we care about one word or the other. It actually is really important that you care about those words because that mission and vision statement is exactly what eric just described there right it's the purpose and the opportunity and the challenge that that business is solving and so you know when you when you're talking to companies or you know you're employed by one think about that that mission and vision statement because if it doesn't reflect like your personal purpose or your personal alignment your personal values the company's values like if if you see the company acting in dissonance with that you can often spot problems uh, in the business itself um, but those, those things are really really important because they actually drive a lot of the decisions that an organization makes and uh you know there are some some fantastic mission and vision statements uh, out there in the world uh, you know google's of you know unlocking the world's information is just fantastic it allows them to do lots of different things um but with that clear purpose
1: right and i think as you mentioned i think it has aligned with you personally because i was just listening to uh uh some vcs present recently and one of the one of the vc folks she was an entrepreneur before and then became a vc and investor and she says do things that you care about do things something you're passionate about because if you do you're going to put your full effort care about it and, and put your, your, your full energy and effort into it. And it shows and it becomes infectious. Uh, you have to really care. And, and, she, and she said, don't, don't do things half-assed. You, know, mm-hmm. you can, but generally you're going to get half ass results or maybe even quarter ass results. I, I don't even know if that's yeah. a word, but I'm, I'm going to make it up on this podcast right now. But uh, I think it's super important. And I, and I think it, it to my next pillar and dovetails nicely into that is I, you know, ESG impact, DEI initiatives—it's very sexy right now, and it's very top of mind. And you know, there's a lot large funds that are being invested in. That. There's requirements, you know, right, for board members to be minorities or women. And there's all these things are going, especially in the day in the world of politics that we have now. For me, being a minority, uh, and also my mom—I think I mentioned this to you this before. My mom was a CFO of a REIT, so she grew mm-hmm. up being a CFO of a REIT in a very old school male-dominated environment, as an Asian female, she had to be tough. And it's all the things she had to go through. And it inspired me to say, we have to do something different. And I have four sons, and I I try to teach them to be good human beings, number one. And that's the first and foremost. And the other things may come along. Be good human beings. And it's important that I help use my platform, especially within companies, to put ESG impact or DI initiatives and measure them, put KPIs and metrics in place, right? Uh, you know, put a Rooney rule in place with, at companies that I go to. And if, if you're not familiar with that, that's uh, something they put in the NFL where all head coaching positions and GM positions, they have to interview a minority candidate, right? mm-hmm. uh, In the NBA, they have to interview women candidates now in different things. It, it, it's, it, it, it has to, if you want to disrupt and change things, you definitely have to get different perspectives, different sets of views that are diverse and different. If you hire the same people that have been doing the same thing for 20 years, you're going to get the same results. And it's a little bit out of people's comfort zones because you want to work people that look like you, act like you, talk like you. But if you truly want innovation and diversity and uh, disruption, you have to go and find those people because those people are not going just to come to you because – Look, as I know as my, myself as a minority, if I look at two companies and I look at the executive teams and the boards and one has diversity uh, from uh, you know, minorities and women and the other one does not, which one do I think I'm gonna have the most success in? Right? All things being equal, which one would I choose? Right? I would probably choose the one with more diversity. Right, So those things are being looked at and I think we have to be cognizant of how we present ourselves in our culture in that way because it's important that you know, after the great resignation, and things have changed a little bit in the past few months obviously, but. Um, Attracting, retaining the best talent, it's key to have those in place because you want to attract those folks. And if you have these things in place, you will attract those people and retain them. Because as you know, turnover is high. If you have high turnover, it's so much more costly than Mm -hmm. to just retain people and good talent at the end of the day. And number one, to build a great company, have a great culture, you have to have great talent and have people that are believed in your mission. But that diversity aspect, you know, and the DI initiatives I think are so important. And also just the other pieces of, you know, keeping green uh, or or less emissions or donating to mental health or whatever your causes are environmental stuff or whatever it is those are things that now that employees demand as part of the culture and DNA of a company, right? Before it was free food, you know. Uh, free food in the office or a nice office career path all those things are table stakes now it's like we want all those things well maybe not maybe work from home is another one now but the other one is yeah. now it's like i want to make sure my company is donating or vo- i have volunteer time to donate time to build houses in my local community or i have time to donate to mental health or i'm going to help and speak on you know minority or wooden panels or whatever it may be i think. Having those things and having those initiatives along with your company and the things you solve and do adds to the culture and fabric that enhances the value of the company at the end of the day. And I think it's super important that we as executives understand what those are, measure them, and be honest with ourselves at how we're measuring. What are our expectations? How do we perform against those KPIs? Just like any other business KPIs, people are like, oh, those are soft HR KPIs. Maybe they are. But they are important, and we need to have those. And that's kind of my three pillars I look at. like, If that company has those three things, I can be successful there. And all the other things, titles, money, all that. So I, I've been very lucky in my career. That stuff, I think, just f- figures itself out. If you find the right things and you focus on the journey of how you get those things rather than the, the end of the journey or the result, the goal of being I want to be a board member, chairman, CFO, whatever it is, and I want this kind of – that, that stuff will take care of itself if you really focus along the path of what you want, identify it, articulate it, and then also as, as you become influential in a company, make sure your company understands that, can identify it, articulate it, measure it, and communicate it to, to, to talent that you're acquiring and you keep in the company and make it part of your DNA and your, and your, your fabric.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that. I, I read a book a number of years ago. It was called The Purpose Effect. And uh, uh, I forget the guy's name. I think it was Dan Pontefact or Don Pontefact. Um, but, but basically, it talked about um, alignment uh, at, at three levels, specifically for people wanting to, when, when they do their best work, they have alignment in the company's mission and vision and, and its purpose the purpose of their role itself and the purpose of their personal kind of vision and mission for themselves, right? And if you are in alignment with all three of those things, then amazing things happen for that person in that company at that moment in time, right? Anytime you step out of alignment, it becomes more difficult. Maybe the role isn't where you want to go with your career. And so but your personal growth and your professional growth are all you know, are going well. The company's mission is aligned, but the role doesn't fit where you are in your career right now. And, and so that makes it hard for you in that environment. So as people do listen to this and think about that, think about you know, like where do I fit within those pillars of, of my world or your world? Do I fit the company's mission and vision? Do I align with it? Do I align with my current role? And do I align, like does all of that align with me personally?
1: I agree 100%. I think I you know I hope what people get out of this is start thinking about these things and having those conversations and identifying them because you know it's taken me years to kind of identify what those things are and I maybe I knew them in my mind or I kind of knew what I but I wasn't able to articulate them appropriately and then if I'm able to articulate them I can ask the company what are theirs what are they, what are their values and how does that align with mine right? And I think it's super important at least to have that conversation, identify it, and then you'll know right away is this a good fit or not a good fit. And, and 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 so it doesn't waste people's time. But also as companies, we are all competing for great talent and good people. And if you're able to identify these things and be able to articulate them through talent acquisition and attention and, and all these, you know, learning and development things you put in place, you're gonna be much success, more successful as a company. You spend less time, you know, acquiring talent you're retaining talent and that turnover is, is a lot less and it just creates a lot more value in the company. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've said uh, to, to people before is, that, you know, when I die, I, I don't want my tombstone to say CFO or, you know, or whatever it is. I want to say, you know, good husband, good father, good, 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 whatever, good brother, right? Good friend. And, you know, th- those are important things really at the end of the day. And it, this kind of leads back to, which is very interesting. I heard listening to this VC panel. And, you know, back in the day, you remember too, Rowan, is startups, you did whatever, you were all going to crush it. You're like, I don't care who's standing our way. We're going to go and we're going to work as hard as we can. We're going to do whatever it takes to crush it and kill it out there and go, 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 go. And it, it, it's hurt people's personal lives. People get burned out. Mm-hmm. People don't get it. And I think there's a much more focus on mental health now, more conversations, work-life balance. And I, and I said, you know, it, it's, you would feel good and you should be doing things because you want to, not because you have to at the end of the day. So people are doing things at work and they're hitting the keyboard. Every time they, their fingers touch a key because they have to, they get more and more bitter, right? If you want to do it, yeah. you do it right. But, and I, I know you've been in that case. I've been there before. And I, I came up with the same, like we, we work to live, we don't live to work, you know, and I think that's important. And, and, you know, other quotes I, I, I've, I've heard that from Albert Schweitzer and one up here, that says success is not, the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you're doing, you will be successful. And it sounds so cliche, but I think you have to stop and actually think about that and make sure that's happening in your life and your career. Because if it's not, life is short. Do something else. You know what I mean? it's, it's, there's yeah. plenty of opportunity out there. I mean, no one's forcing you to be where you, if you're not happy. And I've seen you've, you've worked with people like this. I've worked with people that are, you know, the negative, the haters. And they just, every time you talk to me, they're like, Man, it just like sucks all that positive energy out of the room. You're like, and th- at the end of the day, you're like, don't do something else that makes you happy. Don't do this, you know, because it's you're sucking the life out of all of us. Number one, nobody wants to talk to you. Number two, <laughs> and, and yeah. it's just it's not fun, right? It's not fun. We 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 we, we spent a lot of time here. I want all the people that are energized, love it, and want to be here and understand the value prop of who we are and push forward. And it, it's 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 important, I think, and. One one more thing that I that I add I think we talked about it before is having the diversity, making sure people included and listening to all ideas is important. Right? There's the the hot Cheetos the Frito Lay hot Cheetos story that we talked about before, right? Um, if people don't know, you know, I, I'm sure people have heard of hot Cheetos. It's a billion dollar franchise for Frito Lay. They sell probably the most of their chips through that franchise. Uh, that was developed by a Latino janitor, I believe in the 80s or 90s. And mm. he brought up the idea of, let's put hot sauce and lime on you know, Cheese Cheetos and sell it as a product. They listened to him and now they have a billion dollar franchise. If they weren't open and had the right culture, if they said, no, no, you're just a janitor, we don't want to listen to you or whatever it may be, they would never have a billion dollar franchise. So again, innovation, diversity, It comes from many areas and you have to be open to listen to it. And that's how you get better at the end of the day. So I think all these things align to drive revenue, to reduce costs, and create a great culture and value for the company at the end of the day, which as a CFO, these are things I could tangibly measure and go out and say, VCs or PE, our valuation has increased because we've built these things. Here's our values. Here's how we're achieving our goals. Here are our metrics. Here's ESG Impact, DEI Initiative. These are the things we're measuring, and this is who you're investing in. And you want to invest in us now because we're a great frigging company and we have great value, and this is what we're building for the future. And I think if you can articulate that, it's something refreshing for people, too, because they don't necessarily hear that. It's about revenue growth and metrics and all those things and cutting costs and bottom line. For sure, I'm a CFO, I, I for sure. Yeah. But all these other things add additional value that people don't really expect at the end of the day.
0: And so coming back to one of the things that you were talking about is, you know, people want to work with with people that are happy. Uh, you know, Barbara Corcoran at uh, at our Perform conference, one of her kind of seven keys to success was hire happy people, <laughs> right? Uh, and it sounds so simple, but, you know, the reality is when people are happy and they're enjoying their work and enjoying their life, and and to your point, you know, they've got that kind of Work-life balance, or you know, some people don't call it balance; they call it work-life integration, right? Like, depending on, again, if it's your passion, then you you'll do it more. You work more because you're like, I'm passionate about it. This thing is fully aligned. I'll integrate my work life with my personal life if I need to, Um, and and that really just drives uh, individuals to to want to do more. And and but you've got to create that culture where you know people feel that. And the the Frito Lay example is fantastic because how many companies would listen to the janitor and discover a, a billion dollars right. idea, right? Um, a, like how does that go from the janitor to someone's office where, who's in charge of product strategy, right? Like how did, at some point there was a system in that business that was built to realize that innovation is key to to their growth and they've created some sort of environment. I don't know what the system was but that facilitates that insight coming into them and they they take everything right. seriously.
1: Right. And I think it's um it, and the trust and respect and like was there because nobody stole his his or her idea. I don't know, you know, nobody stole it because yeah. easily someone could have said that's my idea. I'm going to pitch that I Took credit for it. And you I know you've been in environments like that. I have as well. Yeah. And I so I've been on the other end where it was my idea and you're like, "Wow, what a what an a-hole." You know? What I mean? <laughs> that's Yeah. yeah. You know, Wow, you really just said that and you knew that was my idea. And right, so but you're in an an environment where you don't have trust like and respect. So you don't you, you you don't even want to put your hand up sometimes, right? And so that was key to listening diversity and having the trust like and respect that that person felt like they could be trusted to pitch the idea to somebody. I'm sure it was at the lower level, it didn't get up to the executive team right, right away. Yeah. Right? But and it was trusted that he or she would get credit for that idea, right? Which is which is key.
0: Yeah, that that I hadn't thought about that, but that that is a massive part of that narrative is is ultimately that they want to tell that story too. They want to celebrate uh, that individual and hopefully they got promoted and <laughs> got, got you know moved out of the janitorial services division into product management or product strategy. All right. Um, the the question I have for you, Eric, is is how did you come to this philosophy? Like. You know, it's it's not common that uh, CFOs, uh, you know, just come out of management school or business school, or or we come out of their CPA and, and they've got this. You know what? I'm going to make these numbers work through culture, and I think you've alluded to it in in your third pillar, ESG, DEI, and you talked about your mom, But how did you how did you get there? It's a great question. You know, I. I think
1: over the years, over now, 22 years in now, this year, it's crazy. Uh, uh, it took me some time. and When I was younger, I was in, immature and impatient. And, and I always wanted to get places faster. Right? And I want to have this title. I want to, and, and I talk about that because I, I've really changed my philosophy over the years. And I think it took some humbling, number right. one, um, and, and really listening to others. You know, a lot of people say, "Treat people how you want to be treated," and I I was like, "You know, that's actually not true. You treat people, you treat people how they want to be treated, right?" So, not everybody wants to be treated the same way. Not everybody has the same speed. Not everybody has the same aptitude. Not everybody has the same thoughts, right? So, you have to read, understand your audience in the room, and treat them how they want to be treated to be influential. And so, you know, through my career in the beginning. Again, being very impatient and 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 immature, I was maybe running into some roadblocks sometimes. And sometimes I bang my head. I go, I don't understand, right? And so I said, you know, after a while, it's 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 the three, uh, you know, I'll say it again, it's the three a holes rule, right? You meet meet the first a hole, you meet the second one, the third a hole is you, right? So you have to really introspectively look at yourself and say. What am I not doing right? What am I not doing? And so I begin to develop as I went to go look at companies and do things and be influential in the companies I was at. Like, what's the best way going about it? And I began to watch great leaders or different people in the company and, and took different things from them and began to piece it together. And and it helped start to define who I was. And, and I said, you know, as I'm going out to look for different roles sometimes, I said, what's important to me? I asked myself, like, what? What? what's my brand that I want to go out there and be able to communicate to these companies why they should hire me or why we should be aligned. And I just, it came naturally. And it's funny because my my wife and my kids have heard me be and say this thing many times. My brother, my family, they've heard me say these three pillars. And so whenever I talk about it, they jokingly, talk smack to me oh here's eric and his three pillars again like here he comes <laughs> it's, it becomes that's on a rant again yeah, yeah. here he goes that's, i'm not a soapbox but it, it truly is true but the good thing is that they're listening and that people are listening because i think it resonates with people and so I, it took me time to develop it through many different avenues and being humbled in some ways yeah. and also being open to listening to other people and really understanding what i was looking for and it took maturity and time and and it 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 was well worth it and again it's part and i always say this sometimes it's about the journey not necessarily about the destination like enjoy the journey while you're on it because it's going to pass you by time goes quickly you know i as i approach 50 close here it it's it's getting fast right time's going fast
0: so i'm like I, i want to
1: enjoy this as much as possible for sure
0: so a, a lot of our, you, you talked about enjoying the journey, a lot of our listeners are kind of earlier on in their journey uh, than than where you are now. And, and they're aspiring to get to, I'm not sure if I would call it the destination, but they want to be on that path, right? They, they want to get to the, the lovely C-suite title. What advice would you have for them as they kind of embark that, where you may be able to impart some wisdom to either help them, you know, not require a humbling experience potentially <laughs> uh, or, you know, find a, not, not necessarily, I don't want to say shortcut, but, but find the kind of the guiding principles for themselves to, to, you know, try and not make some of those mistakes.
1: That's a great, a great uh, question. I think get, get a mentor or get somebody like myself or get anybody that you trust, like, and respect. And you say, Hey, can I just, pick your brain. Can I talk to you? Let me understand your path, right? Uh, I, I, I have four sons. I've coached high school. I've coached baseball and basketball from when they were four years old all the way through high school. And I definitely use that coaching and mentorship approach to my, my teams at work, but also my kids, the teams I've coached. And I love mentoring and teaching people, um, number one. And so go out and help find somebody or talk to somebody. Um, I'm part of the CFO Leadership Council and on their steering committee. And uh, all the time emails come out like a uh, finance person, director of finance is looking for a CFO mentor. And so I, I'll volunteer if I have the time to, to I, I have a few folks I talk to on a biweekly basis and help mentor them and talk through what they're going through. Other CFOs I talk to, just because you need somebody to chat with and understand that. And when you're able to articulate it and get it out in the open, it's super helpful. And I think that's what I would suggest it's someone that's, you know been there and can give you some advice. It, it's helpful. And also, um, I think two of the biggest characteristics of an important person—and I'm not going to say executive. Right, I'm just say important person—is confidence and humility. Um, I think those are com- completely confidence. People are like oh, cockiness. No, no. Confidence is you have confidence to say I don't know, or I'm going to ask somebody else, or I don't have to fake it to make it. I don't really know, or I need to hire good people around me because I know my my shortcomings. I'm self aware. And I'm, I have humility. I'm humble. And humility is most important. It's like, I don't know everything. I want to make sure I can continue to learn and grow. And I'm always trying to figure out the best way. I, it's, my way is not always the best way. I'm always open and listening. I think those are completely underrated. And I've seen the best leaders and the best people have a balance of those two things. Because they're confident enough to say, it, I don't know, and have humility to say it. And say, hey, look, I, I'll take all the blame. It was my fault. I'm going to give all the credit to my team and those people and lead them. Don't tell them, lead them, right? Lead them in the right way. And I think it's very key for people to, as an aspect of a great leader or a great person, understand those two aspects of yourself and are you those things. And if not, why are you not those things? And what can you do to become those things? Because they are two aspects of a great human that is so, so important that people get drawn to, that people will follow. That they'll say, mm-hmm. that person's a leader. Regardless if you say, I'm just because someone says they're a leader doesn't mean they're a leader. People follow leaders because they have a gravitation toward them. They can see that person's a leader. They have energy. They have passion. They have confidence. They have humility. Uh, they could speak or they're good at execution or whatever it may be. But people tend to find those people and notice it. It's not because someone says it or crowns them with a the title. It's because the people realize it and they say that, that person's going to be somebody, somebody someday. And I, I would follow them through, through a brick wall.
0: Yeah. Hopefully people don't have to run through brick walls for other people, uh, <laughs> listening. Uh, but, uh, I, I do want to come back to the, the mentorship, uh, element. You know, I, I see a lot of people and they, they think about mentorship and they think, oh, well, my boss is my mentor. Um, and that can be true. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of good, uh, bosses out there that are good mentors, but also go and find a mentor outside your organization. Um, right. because, you know they can offer different perspectives and, and different viewpoints that you may not be thinking about because you might be stuck in a an environment that has a specific way of thinking or a specific um you know thought process or, or whatever right but have a think about like who outside of my organization maybe you look for you know peer organizations or like for like or go completely random too um don't rely on your boss to be your mentor because you know, often they're, you know, they might be under-resourced, understaffed uh, and, you know, they don't have time to be a mentor either. Go out and look for other mentors in, in your environment because that'll help you be be a better teammate to your boss as well, right? Uh, you'll come with new ideas, new innovation that, you know, they they start to see and respect more.
1: I, I agree. I can agree a hundred percent more. I think um, if you're very venture out into, areas beyond your immediate network you're going to get the diverse sets of views different perspectives and experiences and you know CTOs, cios whatever you know uh, chros cmos they are all they have different qualities and aspects of them so generally you want to pull from the best aspects of all people finance people 10 i'm not going to over generalize because i'm a finance person we are seen as the cops and janitors right we're, we're the yeah. <laughs> the number crunchers and but I, I try to create my brand or, or a brand of a CFO that we're more than that. Like we are that. That's table stakes. But we added we can add a lot more value and have a seat at the table and make a difference. And I think that's that's important. That's something that I like to do and I'm passionate about as well. But I agree with you hundred percent. if I didn't have like a great CEO the past CEO that I had in the past that I'm thinking of, I probably wouldn't be the way I am because I took off some of his aspects and characteristics. I thought, I want to be like that. And I watched yeah. him. And I understood him and I watched people get engaged and how he influenced people and how he was patient and he wasn't a bully sometimes, Or sometimes he had to be, and sometimes he sat back. and It was very refreshing to see how he was able to affect and influence and lead people by using various techniques and understanding the audience, the people he was talking to.
0: Yeah, I really like that. Well, uh, I think we're coming up to time here, Eric, and, and this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, so I, w- I want to ask any final parting thoughts, number one, and number two, how can people get in contact with you, uh, you know, connect with you and to learn more?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, my, my email, I could send my personal email. Should I give it up to you or should I just say it on-
0: Yeah, uh, or LinkedIn maybe. Uh, yeah, you know,
1: don't uh, you want know all these
0: marketers knowing your email address.
1: Right, so how about a LinkedIn for sure, connect with them. You know, I pretty much connect with everybody on LinkedIn. So reach out to me through LinkedIn, Eric Nakamura um, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, Eric with a K, uh, by the way, and Nakamura is phonetically how it sounds. And so uh, that's helpful, but I know people don't always spell it right, so it should be on here. <laughs> um, the last thing I would leave with is it, is, it is cliche, but enjoy what you do. Be passionate about it. And I I tell this to my kids all the time. I said, you know, I, I don't care what you do, but do something you love because life is short. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's not a... If you get stuck doing something for twenty years you hate, you just wasted maybe a quarter of your life, a third of your life. You could be, you know what I mean. Just do something you enjoy, love, and go for it. And if you make mistakes, so what? Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Yeah, that's that's life. You know, that's when you first rode your bike, or you first, you know, wrote a letter. You didn't do it perfect. You made a mistake. It's how you get back on the horse, how you correct yourself, and you respond to that. That shows what you're made of, right? You're gonna make mistakes. Go so hard that you make mistakes and then you figure out how to correct yourself and you're self-aware. And you have the confidence and the humility to say, I made a mistake and then I'm going to correct it. That, I think that that's one of the biggest things I could say out there because I haven't been perfect. I've made a ton of mistakes and hopefully I've learned from them to get where I'm at, which is, which is not necessarily saying being a CFO, but where I'm at being a good human being and, and, and being able to speak about these types of things.
0: I, I love that. So, uh, finally, thank you, Eric. Really appreciate your time on on today's episode. And uh, hopefully, uh, I'm sure with those sorts of values, uh, the the tombstone or the gravestone will read, "Good human being, great father, great husband, good friend." Right. So, so thank you, Eric, for for your time today. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Take it easy, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you.
0: Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for stopping by.